Hello, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Healthy Scratch Podcast. My name is Spencer Plamondal. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Chris Johnson Galvez. And we got a good show for you. We got, uh, you know, less going on with the Habs lately. Uh, the COVID uh, situation is obviously putting a bit of a halt on uh, on things in Montreal. But uh, around the league, we got some crazy stuff. Buffalo's in the midst of a crazy, crazy losing streak right now. Uh, they're in last place by eight points. It's brutal. Uh, the Islanders, I want to talk about quickly off the top. Uh, Chris, you've got a bit of a mea culpa here to make for the Islanders. Uh, and I think, I think we all deserve to hear that. Uh, Tim Peel was just fired uh, in that hot mic situation in the the Nashville Detroit game we're going to touch on that um the quarantine period has been switched from 14 to 7 days uh for players coming from the United States into Canada and that's obviously seems to be having an effect on the uh the trade market already as Eric Stahl has been traded to Montreal uh beyond that we've got some good coverage on uh, women's hockey the NWHL playoffs uh and yeah let's uh, let's dive in um Buffalo okay they're they're awful they're terrible um like historically bad yet again it's it's embarrassing what the hell is going on there chris what's your take on uh, on buffalo usually you want to dunk on fans for a team that was supposed to be good you know they signed taylor hall or whatever and then they suck i can't do it i i'm so sorry if you love the savers like there's nothing else to say i i'm so sorry for your time lost yeah it's tough. It's I, I feel the same way. Like I, I don't really have interest in, in piling on in any in any nasty way. It's just like it sucks. Like I thought their team was going to be a lot better than this this year. I was hoping it was gonna be different. It's it's not. They're so bad. Uh, and it, look, you know, yeah, consolation. They're gonna get a high draft pick. But how many times have they, had? they got Jack Eichel? Right. So it's, they it's... they tweeted recently about one of the reporters was like, I remember this season being this bad. The year we tanked for Sam Reinhardt. God. If you want to just picture how sad that sentence is, yes. <laughs> there's not there's not much more you need to say. That's a doozy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. Like, there, it's it's bad. It's it sucks seeing franchises go through a rebuild and then still be going through it. You know, five years later or six, whatever the case is. It's it sucks. It's not good for hockey. It's not good for the fans. Uh, Ty, you have anything to say on Buffalo? It's not even fun anymore that they suck. Yeah. Like, it's just depressing. Like, usually you get to dunk on other fan bases, but like you guys said, it's just, like, it's so dark. You you make fun of them if their fan base is just like, yeah, we know. Like, <laughs> there, there's, 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 and you know, and it sucks because, like, not only do they suck, but from everything I've heard, they suck. And it doesn't even seem like there's, like, a, I don't know how to word it, but. No, nobody not, has faith in the plan. Like, exactly. the, like the the year they tanked for for Eichel, like when the the team was losing, you could hear fans cheering yeah. about the losses. Like, it's not a great look on the league, but like yeah. in general, you get some kind it's of feel. Fun. That the Habs are the, the the fans are still in it. Yeah, like well, right now they're just not even in it anymore. Well, and that's the thing, right? And maybe maybe this is being magnified because there's no fans in the building, so it's extra depressing because they're just getting their asses kicked in an empty arena. But like from everything I've heard too, like Chris said. There's no real plan, and like it's not even like they suck and they're trying. From everything I've heard, they suck, and the players have just abandoned ship. Like there's absolutely nothing left in that locker room. Which, like, as a fan, that gives you no hope. And as an organization, like, wh- how are you supposed to go from there? Yeah, they, you know, like That's you have Jack Montre- Montre- Montreal was on Eric Stahl's no trade list, yeah. and the, he waived that to come here. Like the worst part is. From all accounts, Buffalo, like I know we make fun of them for the winters and, and, and all that, but like by all accounts, Buffalo is a great city to play in. If it's like the third largest market in the States, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah Chicago, it's Boston, and then that one. Market. They yeah. do crazy well in TV ratings. They're fantastic. Like look at how well the Bills are doing. Like Bills Mafia has taken over that city. That's a great city to play for. But it just seems like all the life has been sucked out of that franchise. Where do you go? You have Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel. He's most likely. Yeah. I, if I'm Eichel, I no want way. out. I want out. You know like, what I mean? I, I want exactly. Start and like, you can get yes, you can get a hefty return for him. But outside of that, like, what are you really looking at? Yeah. Because all the other, even Darlene, like I, I think Darlene's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. But well, even him, 100%. like his his value is kind of in the tank right now because when you play on a bad team, it just I don't know, man. Yes, yeah. I don't know that it's 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 scary to see. Uh, I don't know how you ruined Rasmus Dahlin, but they seem to have done it this year. It's you brutal. I mean? um, uh, yeah, I feel for the fans. Like, look, if, if the team couldn't get it done by landing Jack Eichel through tanking, 
I mean, what fucking hope do you have moving forward? It's a really unfortunate situation. Uh, Let's let's move on to the Islanders, Chris. The Islanders are second place in the NHL, uh, ten and two, or no, eight and two rather in the last ten. They're killing it. You have egg on your face. Explain why. Not the first time. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're coming to me for your accurate hockey projections, you're probably wrong on the first place. It's a terrible mm. place to get information from. Mm. Uh, they look good, and and uh, the things that usually made me weary about them, like their underlying metrics and projections from models like Michael McCurdy's or Dom Schitschens, like they've shored up all that stuff this year. Like they're a really good expected goals team. Their goaltending is good, but it's not you know, super Vesna unsustainable levels. Like they really are controlling play. So fuck me, I guess the Islanders yeah. are good. The Islanders are good. Like I, that's, I think that's pretty much all we need to say on the subject. The Islanders are good. And uh, yeah, they don't have Anders Lee anymore. I wonder how that hurts them moving forward. It hasn't been too bad lady. Cause I think he's missed the last five games. Chris, knowing your luck, it's going to make but, them better. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm assuming. So I'm going to yeah. say they're good. Yeah. And hope they're bad now. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I think nah, I think it's go. time. The, the Islanders are a good team, and they're playing great hockey. And, and hats off to them, and hats off to Barry Trotz. Tim Peel. Barry Trotz has to be the best coach yeah. in the league. Oh, yeah. Barry oh, Trotz easy. is doing incredible easy. things in New York right now. Um, yeah. It's funny, too. He's another one of those coaches that had that tag of uh, couldn't win. Wasn't a winner until he won it. And now everyone. Yeah. And then the best part is he, is he won it. And then he was like, screw it. I'll go try to do it somewhere else, too. Yeah, well, he didn't get the respect from the contract offer from from Washington, from what I understand. Good on him, though. Good on him. Uh, Tim Peel. Okay, let's talk about this Tim Peel thing. This is a fucking heavy subject. I wrote a big old article on it. I don't want to talk about it a ton here, but we got to address it. Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic uh, admitting to giving a a nothing penalty to Nashville uh, because he wanted to get a fucking call in on them early or whatever. He was, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he was quoted as saying something like that on the hot mic. Um, He was, well, effectively fired anyway. He's been taken off games, you know permanently his he was about a month away from from retiring after a 20 plus year career in the league and yeah the the nhl released a statement that was basically uh it was a statement that came off like this was an isolated incident that doesn't happen normally and that it's egregious and that the integrity of the game was compromised and that they needed to take swift action uh which is all fine and great if any of that was true none of it is this is what refs do right this is this is built in it's been built into the game and and to officiating for a very long time and the the nhl just scapegoated tim peel big time i see the refs covering or some of them covering the mics now in games and I'm like, I don't blame a single one of you. Like I, I, that could have been any one of you. Honestly, yep. I think it's I think it's ridiculous that the NHL has has done this uh, to Tim Peel. Not to defend what he did, it's it's bullshit that that refs do this at all. But it's also expected. It's built into what they what they do and then their job. Um, what's what's yeah, your take been on this? Go ahead, Chris. Their, their trial of saying we don't want to affect outcomes of games while directly affecting outcomes of games is like the most ironic statement they could possibly yep. make. Yeah. Look at it like strictly from a like a like a least fan perspective. You know that this has always been the case. The playoffs is a different ball game. I know that. But if you go back to series against Boston, the two that, yes, aha, we lost to Boston. Woo, woo. The penalties in both those in all those series are even. Now, in 2013, Boston was a way better team. That's fine. When you get to the last one though, a 2018 series. You have players on Boston who know that the ref won't call everything. So they just push the limit on every shift. And a team like the Leafs, a smaller, skilled team, Nashville doesn't take as many penalties. They don't play that way, so it doesn't have any positive outcome for them. The the ref fixes the game favoring the team that will take as many penalties as possible because they know that they won't call them all because the penalties have to be even at at the end of the game. But... Uh, the best example is McDavid. Like every shift McDavid plays, he can draw three penalties easy. Yeah, easy. But they won't call them all because then it's it looks like they're biased for one team. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is McDavid is so good mm-hmm. that he draws a penalty every shift. You, they'll figure out how to play him without doing that. Like when you wanted to get rid of slashing, and you called every slash. Well, then they stop slashing. When there was the obstruction uh, crackdown in 2003-2004, they stopped obstructing. Like The game adapts. You don't have to fix the game by saying you're not fixing the game. You are fixing the game. It's a really, uh, yeah, it's a tough subject. Ty, what are you feeling on it? 
Like this is what they do for everything. Like they claim there's no problem. They claim there's no problem. They claim there's no problem. Yeah. And then a problem happens, and then they take the most bogus bullshit approach to it. Yeah. They act like they've handled it, and then whoopsie daisies if it happens down the road again it was uncontrollable how could they have possibly like yeah. it's no secret like you guys both said that this has been an issue going on for years now that the refs control the tempo of the game and like i know chris you like all three of us we talk about how like at one end of the ice you can watch shea weber get away with cross checks and slashes and on the other end brennan gallagher is getting beat up in the corner bleeding yeah. from his mouth and there isn't a single penalty on the call on the on the on the ice yeah now this is my issue with the tim peel situation okay I get firing him for a lack yeah, of Hold on, we, we need to specify that he was not, like, nothing happened to him. He's just not refing games. Yeah, he's yes, pension, his pension is intact. Yeah. Yes. He's not getting any penalties. He's literally just not refing the next 20 games that he was supposed to ref. Yes, That's for, it. but you're right, 100%, 100%. I'm, okay, firing's not the right term, but for all intents and purposes, he's been pulled off on, games. Whatever. Yeah. He's been pulled off games. Here's the thing, like, but we're talking about a guy who's, a month away from retirement. Not only that, he wasn't supposed to ref this season. The NHL asked him to come back because they didn't have enough qualified refs. Yeah. And, and they don't now, like him. And they don't like him. And that, you know what? I get it. He's not a good referee. But the issue that do, I have... Do you know him, why they don't like him? I've do heard a couple of stories. The Greg Wyshynski story. Remember he he, he oh, went out to a Keeler bar with story. a ref? Yes. Yep. That's Tim Peel. Yeah, what that's happened? Tim Peel. I heard that. Yep. What was like, this? I, I didn't catch that story. What was this? Just quickly, if you can sum So, it up. Greg Wyshynski, about eight years ago, no, probably sooner than that, in like 2015, after a particularly crazy game that Tim Peel was a part of, I don't remember the exact details. He made a horrible like, call, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He went to a bar with Wyshynski and talked about the things he liked about being a ref, the things that were hard, the things that he reads that he finds funny, things he doesn't find funny. But he did it while like drinking. And at the end of the night, they took a picture where they were both obviously hammered and Tim Peel requested that Wyshynski post it but like Wyshynski got a lot of shit Tim Peel got a lot of shit oh, and really? it was it was shortly after the previous refereeing scandal which if you guys would remember is Ke Colin Campbell remember he had a son in the NHL Gregory yeah. Gregory yeah Tyler Dello released a whole bunch of emails about Gregory Campbell like fixing uh certain referees Colin Campbell or, or Gregory Colin Campbell. Campbell sorry Colin Campbell okay Colin Colin uh because he was the head of refereeing at the right. time or whatever yeah. he would send certain refs to certain games because he knew they called penalties harsher then there was um complaints about penalties that weren't called against his son yep. there was the incident with burrows i don't know if you remember there was a ref that was wrongly dismissed from his job after he caught burrows diving on a play in a previous game and then the next game he told burrows i'm coming after you and burrows got five penalties that game or something like that oh god the refereeing scandals have happened over and over again and every time the nhl just Brushes the let's go yeah. in quotation mark that person and then yeah. assumes you'll forget about it and you know we're 10 years later and it's the same Still problem on. the nhl has now stapled his face on the see we got the bad guy we got the bad guy you don't have to worry about it anymore when in reality like they're not addressing shit this is what every nhl if west mccauley did this they'd probably find another solution around this yeah but it's because that's a referee that they already don't like they're just using him as the scapegoat again not a good ref but the fact that they're just like we ought to don't worry we got the bad guy the villain's gone uh everyone look away now the mess is cleaned up like yeah a part of me does feel a little bad for the guy because he was caught yes but he was caught doing something that they all fucking do yeah all the time that's the that's the biggest thing in this honestly it's uh again there, there are big issues uh with the nhl when it comes to officiating and with player safety right now it's kind of a mess i think that this would have been a good opportunity for the league to to acknowledge some Reboot. of that yep. and, and yeah and sort of use it as a as sort of a platform to to head in a new direction that's maybe you know there's there's some people that are speculating that the plan is to do that for next season i hope so i really hope so because they it, it'll be tough to to do that in the middle of a season, which 100%. I disagree yeah. with, but I think the the plan to be taken seriously by betting companies is to fix that for next season. Yeah, because well, that's, that's a huge, huge angle for this is the gambling it. angle. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what comes of it. I think I think if you're going that route, you should at least acknowledge that there are issues uh, ongoing right now that obviously you can't deal with 100% in season, but that they will be addressed moving forward. Um, it's so stupid because it's one of those things where it's just like they're trying to cover their own asses by not outright admitting to it, despite the fact that like if it sounds like they're 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 planning on taking action on it down the road, which is essentially admitting that there is an issue anyway yeah. through action anyway. But it is what it is. Let's uh, let's move on to the Habs. The Habs have a COVID outbreak. Well, or they had a 
a positive case and, and one close contact to that positive case, which was, I believe, Kakaniemi and Armia. Who knows which was what and doesn't matter, honestly, at all. Um, but they've had some time off there. They haven't played uh, throughout the week, and they've got the Edmonton games postponed. Um, and they, we... they got them postponed because Bergevin made it clear that it was the variant that one of them tested positive yeah. for. Yeah, it seems like that played a role. Yeah. Before we get into Eric Stahl, which is obviously the the hot news of the day, he was traded to Montreal today for a third and a fifth with 50% of his salary retained by Buffalo. Um, We're going to talk about this a little bit. The COVID situation obviously is not ideal, but it took a while for this to hit the North Division. I think that's commendable, uh, personally. I think it's it's a positive sign that it it took this long... for this to happen in the North Division, and, and it's happened on a pretty small scale, thankfully, and hopefully the player that has it is not going to be dealing with uh, long-term repercussions from it. I wonder if this break is a good thing or a bad thing for them, or if it's just going to be a wash in the end. I mean, it, it's they, they get a break, they get some days off at a time when they weren't getting that at all, and there was no no break coming up in sight. But they're going to have to make up these games down the line, so there's going to be even more uh, of a jam-packed schedule coming. I wonder what way that's going to go. Ty, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a positive thing for them, or do you think it's going to be a bit of a, a hindrance down the line? See, I don't know. I I, I like teeter-totter between both. Same here. I, the, the issue I'm having is, like, with all these teams have going on pause, all I can see really doing is just pushing other issues down the road. I'm not even convinced the pause is going to do this some good at the moment. I think Montreal right now, we're talking about a team that's still trying to break in a new coach and break in new systems. And like this pause might only prolong that break in period. Mm. But like, I don't know, man, like we're already talking about this being a condensed season, like in a condensed schedule. We're already worried. Like if we, they played, what is it? 56 games. Is that, is that what the season's at yeah. going to? We're already talking before the season started, like for them to do 56 games in this time frame even without any breaks, like that's already condensed enough. It's already crazy. And now we're talking about like even shortening that time period even more with this pause. Like granted, a lot of these teams won't get the 56 games, but like the more hockey you play in the less amount of time, like that's not, that's not ideal. No. And it's not necessarily the safest thing for them either. I I know like, it wasn't like set in stone that every team was going to play 56 games this year. Obviously, there's there's yeah. room for variables because of COVID. Um, and I wonder, you know, if it, if it gets to a point where the schedule has to be so condensed that it might be risky for, for player health if they'll maybe cancel out a couple games, but I'm certainly not counting on it. Chris, what's your take yeah, on that situation? Do you think it's, it benefits players or do you think it would be – or benefits the Habs specifically in this situation or do you think it's going to kick them down the line? No, I, I, don't, I don't know how in any way this would help at all. Because not only like – Sure, rest is good sometimes, like four day break, whatever. But like, yeah. isn't the rest of the isn't the facility shut down for a few days too, so they can't train yeah. at all? There are more layers to just rest. And one of the things that I learned that you don't that you kind of take for granted is like how much in the swing of things you need to be to be playing well. And That's you know, Matthews is is his wrist is hurt right now. He's one hundred percent, but he's saying like the four games that he missed when he came back, he just didn't feel good. He'd rather play through it and not have to come back and have those five or six games readjusting again. Now your whole team is going to have to do that. Yeah. No, nah, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a yeah. no from me in every way. I'm curious to know, see uh, how they do end up responding though. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them that they, that they do benefit from the, the sort of refresh just from a mental standpoint that maybe it's going to help them to, to sort of reset a little bit. Granted, they just had that opportunity when Julian was fired as well. So, and a huge part of it, like you just mentioned, is when you when you have a few days off like that and you miss a few games, it does make you lose a step or half a step even, but it doesn't take much, you know, and, and you're behind. So it's it's going to be a, it's you know certainly something to to watch out for once they once they do get back. Um, Eric Stahl, Eric Stahl was traded to the Habs today. Uh, I think this is a great deal. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of of this deal. I think it, like it, for a third and a fifth round pick, especially in this year's draft, when you know like the OHL hasn't even played a game yet, there's so much mystery surrounding this draft. It looks like it's it's going to take place this year. After all, they're not going to push it to to next year. So really, I mean, with all the draft capital Bergevin has, this is such a nothing uh, pay that I think it's it's a great great addition. And if Eric Stahl can can return to to anything like his Minnesota production, I mean, he was like a point seven point per game player last year. I mean, that would be a huge... 40 goals for. Yeah. I mean, you had 40 goals, like what, four, four years ago, three, four years ago? Not 20, that long. 2017, yeah. 2018, I yeah, think. Yeah, which I'm not expecting that, of course. But, I mean, he's he he had a nice uh, career resurrection there in Minnesota and, and really 
brought himself back to, to, to the star conversation, which was great to see. Chris, you're a huge Eric Stahl fan. You wanted the Leafs to get him. Uh, they didn't. I just want to uh, make that clear again. You don't but get everything, now, Chris. What, what do you think uh, Montreal is getting in him, and what, what, is, what, why do you like him so much for? What's, what are you, what's, what's Eric Stahl all about? I know he's your favorite so, player. One so of I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Like, a lot of his metrics are not as great as it used to be because, I mean, he is, what, 36 or 37 now? Like, 36, yeah. He's older. Like, but Eric Stahl is the reason I fell in love with hockey. So there's a lot of sentimental value to him. His offensive production is still really good, and it wasn't bad in Buffalo, and Buffalo is really bad, so that's a good sign. Well, I mean, his production has been terrible, but his expected numbers have been pretty good, from what I understand, right? Which is which is a problem for Boston in general, or for Buffalo, Buffalo in general. Exactly, like, yeah. Their expected goals for and against are actually not as bad as they are, especially on offense. They're really underperforming. Taylor Hall is one goal, like, and they're they're not as bad as it seems, but it's a shit show in general, and everything gets blown up to a million when everything is bad at the same time. Yeah, Eric Stahl is still a decent, useful player. He's just a third line player now. Yeah. Uh, the things that are interesting for me here is one, where does he play on the halves? Yeah, yep. because the, to me this seems like the end of Dano. I don't know. I know and, uh, LeBron is saying there's a uh, multiple moves that he's here yeah. in Montreal is is talking about right now. So I, I would imagine there's more coming. You might be right on that. I'm not sure, though. And his finishing talent is good, but it's not super above average type finishing. So I just watched a clip of all of his goals from last year, and like a, a lot of them, the majority of them are, you know, net front goals, rebounds, second second opportunities. Yeah, he's, second he's, a, he's a big body. Yeah. He likes to be in front of the net. Basically, what I'm saying is, fuck you. <laughs> I wanted Eric Stahl, and for him, I'm gonna have to hope he does well, which sucks because I don't want to cheer for Montreal. Chris, whenever oh, you want to come off. back to the 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 bright side, the good side, the hab side, whenever you want to come back, I will. To I cheer for will Eric absolutely Stahl. buy an Eric Stahl reverse retro jersey. Oh shit! Oh, will you wear it? That's a retro I, retro jersey. I, I will. I will absolutely buy that, and I will feel no shame. Oh, that, will you wear it to a Habs Leafs game in Toronto? I will absolutely not do that, but I'll wear it to any other Habs game. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I, I'm curious where Stahl is going to play. Um, Ty, I'm going to let you go on in a second. I just want to, like, yeah. I saw Arpin Basu uh, speculating, I guess would be the best word for it, that Stahl would be stepping into Jake Evans' role as fourth-line center. And I look at that, and I'm like, I don't know if it's that simple. And obviously, fourth-line center in the Canadians, as, as they're currently built, is not the same as fourth-line center on a, on a team that has a traditional fourth line. And a friend of mine pointed out, too, like, if, if it does happen to be caught Kanyemi that's, that's dealing with COVID here, this is a good uh, insurance policy to have up the middle yeah. should he deal with some difficult symptoms with covid so should he get hit harder with god forbid you know you see marco rossi is still not playing hockey after getting covid yeah. months and months ago so yeah. um but yeah i'm not sure where he's gonna play i'm curious to see how this shakes out i don't think it's as simple as him just stepping in and taking jake evans role uh ty how you feel about the stall trade i like it a lot i think um add him to the long list of players who are playing on a team that i never thought i'd see yep my biggest thing is i just don't know where he's gonna play and like People had him, I saw a couple lines that had him penciled in on the fourth line, which would have been fine, except they had Perry on his right side. I'm like, that's a little ancient of a fourth line. Like that is, I don't know if I'd go with that. And then other people had him, you know, third line. People are wondering if Dano's maybe on his way out, maybe Byron. Like you said, Spence, clearly there's, I mean, not clearly, but people are talking about how there's there's still stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of, which yeah. I mean, like who's surprised, right? Like the other day when Bergevin had his presser and he said, like somebody asked him if he was going to make any moves and he said no and Habs Habs fans freaked out like how many times do we have to do this like yeah. he always says like he's no he's a liar he's he, just a liar he always says no because if he says yes and he either doesn't do anything or something or he does something that's not good enough to people yeah people want him people want him gone he says no because a he doesn't want to show his cards and b he's yeah. learned well not he's learned but a lot of gms have learned that you don't set expectations unless you're 100% concerned that you can reach them yeah so he like said, this whole yeah. like oh Bergevin said he wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, he always says that. He always says he's not going to do anything. We had to know if you're listening to that, you have to know he's lying. He fired Claude Julien in the middle yeah. of a season after having made several big moves yeah. Yeah. in a win now year. Like he was obviously going to do something. The Habs aren't in first place. Yeah. There's always room yeah. for improvement. Yeah. 
Let's move on to Jordan Harris. Jordan Harris is going back to school for the last year of college. Harris is a pretty good prospect at this point for the Montreal Canadiens on the back end. Ty, how are you feeling about him going back to school? Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I, I don't know why people are freaking out. He made it very clear from the start that school is very important to him. You know, and we always say have a backup plan. N- nothing in sports is guaranteed. Good for him. Yeah. Stay in school for as long as you want. I don't care. That's that's your it's your right to study for as long as you want. I think and there's probably this, like, still some some growth for him to 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 have there. You know, I don't think he's fully cooked. I don't think he's going to be detrimental to his development to spend another year there. I think he'll probably be able to step into Laval a little easier. Plus, I mean, like people are talking about how like he's gonna leave. Like I don't. know. Maybe he leaves. Maybe he doesn't. But like at the end of the day, like if he wants to stay in school, he can stay in school. And like whether you chalk it up to just all big talk and like whatever blah 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 like both him and the Habs have seemed to make it very clear that he intends on staying with the team like this has nothing to do with him wanting to leave and everything to do with him just wanting to be in school for longer yeah Caulfield um and Wisconsin lost today in an upset to Bemidji State I believe it was and Caulfield's season is or his career in the NCAA effectively is done now um because he will be signing with the Canadians in short order we would assume but let's talk for a second about how fucking crazy fans and media get with college students who play hockey or professional or who are like high-end athletes rather when they have decisions to make Jordan Harris was taking what like a few hours too long based on like fans and and, yeah, and, and pundits uh and this, like yeah. yeah comfort level so like w- and they were freaking out like they were losing it over the fact that Harris hadn't decided yet give the kids some fucking time to figure it out he's he's in college Cole Caulfield oh, loses and it's like fucking 20 minutes after the game has ended you got I forget which reporter was someone on I think it was oh, TVA yeah, posting a thing about how basically just posting a quote about Cole Caulfield being like, yeah, the game just ended. I don't want to think about this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll decide later. Like leave them alone. Give them them a freaking minute. It's such a Montreal media thing to do too. Right? Like I don't think in many other, well, maybe in some other Canadian markets, but this is like the level of, of, of pressure that's put on these guys is crazy. I think most teams in the league. We're so starved for a freaking good team that the moment we have a whiff of it, it's, like people panic that's being taken yeah. away from us. Yeah, like give him a second. Yeah. He just lost one of the most important games of his life. He's obviously upset because now his college career is done. Yeah. And you're putting a microphone in his face metaphorically because it's done over Zoom and asking him when he plans on joining the team. Yeah. And he, it was an upset too. It was like it was a big upset. Yeah. They were like first seed versus fifth seed or something like that and they lost. So yeah. give him some time. Five three, I think final score. Yeah. They they're they're kids. And Caulfield points, had a great game. You know, two goals and an assist. Goals, he finished yeah, I finished the season, I think, in total. If you add all the games, we had 30 goals in 31 games, I believe, and that's an incredible season. Um, let's move on to Toronto. The goaltending situation in there, Campbell is playing some really good hockey, Chris. Freddie Anderson, is he yeah, still I mean, dealing with a bit of an injury? Yeah, he, they said he's going to be out for at least another five days, I think. Okay. Like, Keith said it best, whereas, like, it's Campbell's net both by play and the fact that Anderson is hurt. So we're kind of stuck with whatever this is. It seems to be going great. I mean, he's played five games this year. He looked good in the game against the Sens yesterday. So I'm yeah. going to say it's working out so far. Let's see if it keeps going. He's got the potential to be there. I, I really hope that he is a starter because we need one. That's all we need right now. Yeah, it would solve um, a lot of problems. I, I was sure. I was curious about how the Leafs were doing. They're in a bit of a rough stretch in general. Right? Like the two, I think they have two wins in their last eight. And I always felt like in all those games, they got goalied, which is not ideal to be goalied every time. So I looked into some of the numbers, and and you tell me if this is good. This season, they're uh, tied for third in expected goals for, tied for ninth in goals for, 13th in expected goals against, 8th in goals against. So if you're new to hockey, Toronto is always bad at defense, and for the first time, they're not. Uh, Their power play is first in expected goals for, but they're third overall. And their penalty kill, this is where it gets interesting, and where I think Freddie takes the brunt of blame. Uh, their penalty kill is sixth in expected goals against, but 31st in goals saved above expected. Wow. Obviously, the penalty kill also has a few games of Hutchinson and Campbell, but Freddie has been a direct reason for the penalty kill being as bad as it is. Because in actual shot quality they're giving up, it's it's like top of the league. You know, and if you, if you narrow it down to the last 10 games where there's really been a bit of issues in Toronto, like they're 61% expected goal share. 
they're playing well. It's, they they're... just get cratered by goaltending. Yeah. So if Jack Campbell can be good, this is going to be a dynamic team again, like a team we saw at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I'm I'm uh, less stressed than I thought I would be. Jack Campbell, please, please, please be good. I wouldn't even put it past. You know, the le- I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I should say if if by the end of the season you've got Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell performing well. I still, uh, yeah, I know Freddie's. He if hasn't if been he's same. if he's been hurt and and it seems like he is and he's been hurt the whole time. If that's the case and Campbell keeps playing like this, let him rest. For all we exactly. know, he can come back to being exactly. 2018 Freddie. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with it too. He's playing great, Jack Campbell, and like, look, if if he's if he could be the starter for the Leafs, I mean, how perfect is that, right? With the cap situation being what it is, to be able to sign Jack Campbell to be your starter, and if he's a good starter. I mean that would be makes one point six five million this year this, and yeah. next year. Oh, he's is he, oh he's got another year too. There you go. So like it would, yeah, would be incredible. LA signed him before the trade for him. Yeah. So he he had signed the extension already. So like if your starter is making one point six million, that's great. Especially yeah, if he's playing well. Oh my god, like yeah. forget about it. That's incredible. So big things with uh, with Jack Campbell there. Hopefully he can keep up the play. Um, <clears throat> toughness and physicality is one thing I want to talk about with the Leafs. They always get ripped on for not being tough enough, for not being physical enough. I honestly, I look at the Leafs and I see the best Leafs team that I've seen yet uh, since Austin Matthews was drafted, um, and I see the toughest team yet. Honestly, that I, I or I think I, I they think, can I hang. think it's it's very easy to say it's the best team since 1967, just like flat out. I mean, I, I, I'm not a Leafs historian. I, would, I wouldn't be comfortable making this statement myself, but I, I wouldn't shock me. I mean, they've got a great team. They really have a great team. I don't think they're as big of a pushover as people. It's, it seems like one of those things, again, it's like the defense, right? Like, it's something that's been an issue or that it's been, you know, something you could point at for so long that people just keep pointing at it and maybe don't realize that that's not the case anymore. I don't know. Chris, what's your take on that? Like, I feel like... Okay, so... How can you say that about a team that has Simmons, Muzzin, Bogosian? It, Those are not players known for being soft and cute on the ice. No. Uh, Joe Thornton is not going to shy away from you. Nope. Austin Matthews is tripling his hits per game. Yep. That's a big boy, too. I find one of the things that the Leafs do well that it doesn't look as you know hard or tough is they just find a way to put themselves between you and the puck. And it doesn't look like a huge hit, but it ends up destabilizing the whole play and in particular i'm thinking of tj brody here for that morgan riley's been much better at it this year too where they just find a way to make a small hit that has a large impact on possession interesting and it doesn't seem as brute or as um uh, you know oh, tough and nails truculence type plays but they're they're still physical plays that have large impacts in what they want to do which is have the puck yeah, so I, I, that's why I'm not so I'm not super worried about, you know, the label of they're super they're not physical enough or whatever. I I, I really think they have been more physical than they've been in a long time. Yeah, that's my it's feeling. The kind, it's too. the kind of physical that actually helps you. Yeah, and I think like ultimately this big test is going to be in the playoffs. Like once the playoffs comes and and they have to you know, face a physical team that's trying to make them play their game. Are they going to be able to hang and counter with their own? And I think they will. Like, I, I don't think this is going to be an issue. Like you mentioned, they, they, they've they added that grit and sandpaper. It's just like, you're not going to see the full payout of that until the playoffs when it's needed most and when they're really called upon. But I, I, I really, I look at this Toronto team and I'm like, they're going to be fucking fine. Like, I, I'm not it, concerned. It's a, it's a testament, I think, to the way the team is built right now that during this little rough patch, it's not been a meltdown. Yeah. Like I remember watching some of those Habs games before they fired Julian. Like it felt like the world was falling apart. Yeah. Like it hasn't been like that. It just feels like, oh well, that sucked. We'll get him tomorrow. Yeah. Which is what you want. And that's that's what winning teams do. They know they go through. Yeah. They're going to go through periods where they're not going to be as good, and they're going to struggle. And sometimes it's going to be bad luck. Sometimes it's going to be because their their play is a little off. But they stick with it. Whereas, yeah, when you talk, you know, Montreal, when Montreal goes through these things, it's, you know, it seems like there's a total identity crisis and crisis of faith, but that doesn't seem to be the case with uh, Toronto. Hopefully. I mean, like I, like like you said, and, and like we've all said, this team can only get rid of its demons come playoff time. So before that, it's all a moot point, right? Like it, the only judgment of their season will come if they pass the first round. Yeah. So they just have to get there. 
get to the first round, and then if you win that, then you've done something this year. Yeah. Until that, I'm not going to worry. Yep. Okay, let's move along to uh, to some women's hockey. The NWHL playoffs have recommenced uh, tonight. The Boston Pride took down the Toronto Six. Chris, talk to me about it. It uh, it was tough. Yeah. But I, I'm I had I had spoken about it a little bit in um, one of my articles on the six games during the actual bubble. The Boston Pride last year, they had in their full season, like they were. I think they had made the final for the cup, but then it was closed. Like everything shut down because of COVID. They had won. I think 22 games and lost two all year. They have Julian Dempsey, who is the undisputed best NWHL player ever. They've got so many talented players that it was really weird to see them in the bubble struggle so hard. Like they were the fourth seed and they only finished fourth because the last game was forfeited. They really squeaked into the playoffs. and, And when we were doing our analysis about, you know, the first round and how tough it would be for the six. It was always, hey, if Boston wakes up, the six is fucked. Yeah, yeah. And they woke up. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think if if it, if it had been played like during the bubble, like I'm pretty sure that momentum would have carried too. Like there are little things that sucked for Toronto in this case that made it easier for Boston. Like the players for the six all had to quarantine before they could practice last week. Okay. And then so they did a two week quarantine. They practiced and then they drove by bus to, to Boston, a 10 hour bus ride yesterday. And they played today. Like, it sucks. Yeah. But it's the reality of the game right now. And so these are also women who have, you know, day jobs, right? Like, there's more going on. Yeah. Just, and we'll, yeah. we'll talk a bit about that after because I, I wanted to highlight a particular interview that uh, we'll talk about quite a bit. Yeah. But before the game, I was, you know, looking at things like, hey, uh, remember how much I loved Grant Mentis? Well, the numbers add up to that. And yeah, she was like the leader in expected goals by like a significant margin. Uh, but sneakily behind her was a uh, uh, Brianne Wilson-Bennett. Okay. BWB, who was really, really good also. And today, I thought they both played really, really well. They got a, a this will let, none of this will go, but there was a, a goal that hit the post, or a shot that hit the post uh, about the six minute mark into the game. And up until that point, Toronto had been f- like pushing, pushing, pushing and Boston looked out of sorts. The goal hit the post, they went to review, didn't go in. And immediately afterward, Boston scored. 30 seconds later, they scored again. And then you went, oof, this is tough. And then Grant meant that she did it again. She carried the puck up the whole ice. She got to the blue line. She made a move to the outside. Uh, strong backhand. Like, I'm talking Sidney Crosby backhand. Like, fired it on net. The goalie struggled, obviously, with that kind of power. You're not going to get a, a clean save. And, and Wilson Bennett put it in. And I went, hey. All those expected goals, they finally went through, and then the six fell apart immediately afterwards, and the game was lost. Yeah, it it, it was tough, but it it's I mean like, so, like Bridget a, Murphy was saying this the entire time, right? That they're they were the, the considered the underdogs, despite the fact that they were the number one seed here. And I don't like, yeah actually some, it, ex, yeah, out of ahead. fun, like you know who the Boston uh, Boston Pride coach was, uh, Montreal Canadiens legend Paul Mara. Really? Yeah. No uh, way. And so there's a, there's a few things that I wanted to highlight too about the actual game. So you remember that when the when the bubble was happening, there was some a COVID outbreak and we had lost Brooke Boquist. Yeah. Well, she actually did. She actually was able to come play, but uh, McNeil and Claremont couldn't because they had work, right? Like <laughs> there were work commitments that didn't let them come to the tournament. Like so, Toronto played today with ten forwards. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, like especially when it got to four one, yeah. you know the legs start dying on you and you, you have to double mm-hmm. shift. Like it, it's Not hard to come back from something like that. Yeah. Um. So before we, you know, end off on this, I wanted to say that it's my fault. I didn't notice that uh, Mandy Cronin, who was a GM of the six, actually had said in February she was let go. And there was no clear indication as to who took over. Based on stuff that I've read with uh, Marissa and Jemmy and uh, Lance Strohol, it seems like Digit Murphy kind of took over that job also. Okay. So Digit Murphy, what can't you do? Because this is a woman of many hats now. Yeah, really. Uh, she's the team president, the GM, and the coach. So something to look forward to next year. And she said in her press conference after the season ended that, you know, it's tough because of all the work that all the players' jobs, they don't know if they'll be back next year, but it seems like most of the six players will return. Which is great. Which is great. Then s- some small things. So PWHPA, they uh, announced same kind of setup they had in Chicago and New York. They're going to have one in St. Louis in April. And they announced that the Canadian games are coming. So we know there'll be a similar setup. I'm assuming there'll be games in Montreal and Toronto probably played at the Bell Centre and um, the Scotiabank Arena. 
Awesome. No con- confirmation on those, but it seems like that's the case. And then I wanted to uh, highlight something that I think everyone should listen to if they have time. Mar- Marissa and Jemmy went on 31 Thoughts this week. Yeah, it's a great interview. Yeah, for those who haven't heard it, it's, it's about 30 minutes, so it's, it's really worth your time. Yeah. She talks a lot about the state of women's hockey in general, unlike the PWHPA, the, NA, the NWHL, but also uh, the differences and... Sticking points. You know, yeah. some of the, some of the th- some of the realistic options that we have to, you know, put out of our head. Like, like the NHL has had several chances to come and help, and they decided not to. Yeah. First, they said we'd only do it when there's one league. There is only one league. They're not coming. We need to stop doing that. But she said something that I thought was uh, more important than anything else that we need to say. So, and it's something that I've done too. And and having heard her say this it makes me want to rethink how we're going to do this going forward so she said i would like for women's hockey to be at a place where we talk about it the way we talk about men's hockey and that is hey this game happened this player was good this player was bad this sucked this didn't suck the penguins lost this game because tristan jari let in five awful goals and and instead what we do is talk a lot about what's wrong with the women's game yeah you know why can't the nwhl agree with the PWHPA? Why do the players hate each other? What's the next step? Are they ever going to get along? Like, and these are things that I also had on on my mind that I don't I don't want to do that. Having heard what she explained, that the best thing we can do for women's hockey is just treat it like men's hockey. Yeah. Focus on the game itself. And, I mean, like so, I will say in fairness, like even tonight we've had some in-depth uh, discussions with things that we think the NHL can be doing much, much better than they are. That being said, I, I completely agree with you that it feels like it's taken up way too much spotlight. Like it does feel like it's, it's kind of become a distraction. Um, and, and, and I did it particularly itself. in the last episode. So I did as well. Yeah. This one here. And from now on, we're going to talk about the good, the bad in the games, the good, the bad in the players. And that's it. If there's stuff that comes up that needs to be said, we'll say it. Yeah. But if not, we're going to talk about athletes and athletes only. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the best way we can help, which is uh, it, it was a nice way for, for for me personally to see what is really needed as like a newcomer to this quote unquote recording right. of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because just as a fan, everyone's got a different method. For sure. But to, for push, sure. The, but to push the game forward, you want to do it on their terms. And I think that's the best way for us to handle it. So we're going to do strict hockey analysis only. And I'll, and I'll make it more in-depth than this player is amazing. I will give you um, – I've found, like, there's guys like Mike Murphy who who do the expected goals, who do shot locations for these games, and that's that's what I'm going to focus on. So that's, that's what I wanted to clarify here. And I wanted to uh, give a, a story – I don't know if you guys read – Charlie Coyle was interviewed today about the NWHL games. Yeah, I didn't hear that. You, you wrote this down. Uh, Charlie Coyle was talking about, he grew up in the same town as Julian Dempsey, who's the captain of the Boston Pride. I told you he's the best NWHL player ever. Okay. He was saying that when they were younger, she would come to the boys' practices and absolutely show them up. <laughs> like, just school them. Like, even to, like, like, I think he said they were, like, 13, 14 or something like that. And she was still tearing them apart. And then he said something that I found interesting. I, I don't know if I've told you, Spence, but I've told Ty for sure that one of the things that I like most about watching women's hockey is how nice they skate. Yeah. Mm. Uh, every every player has like a really nice, fluid technique, super smooth. The edge work is always amazing. And I never I, thought about it. I find right. it's visually appealing when you watch them skate. They just seem to have the technique down, Pat, and especially yeah. like having coached. Like you want to train someone to skate a certain way, and you always get uh, one or two guys. Like Ty and I are the perfect example. We both skate really differently and they're both entirely wrong neither of them look good and neither of them are good <laughs> and you know like there's guys that you think of in particular like crosby and mcdavid like yes they skate nice but there are weird things that they do yeah like mcdavid's feet never really leave the ice which is cool but it's not like the perfect technique and when you watch the nwhl or the pwhpa you can really see the edge work and the the minute details in in weight shifting strides especially in acceleration, like their V cuts are really perfect in the str- like the, the beginning. You can really see them laid out. And Charlie Coyle mentioned it. And so I, I, w- I felt gratified to know that, hey, I've been noticing this the whole time. I was right. Yeah, so, that's interesting. For all of you Islanders fans, fuck you. I was right about something. <laughs> you know, Islanders fans, they will not give a shit about the one thing you were right about. 
But uh, it, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that, and it's, it's it's a really cool observation, actually. I totally see that. We're gonna transition out. Let's uh, let's look at some storylines to look out for over the next uh, next couple of weeks. Me personally, I am actually no no Ty. I feel like Ty, you have not had an opportunity to talk about this episode. I feel like we need some more Ty. Ty, what are you looking at? Well, the I, next I feel I feel like that's kind of like a blessing for everybody. No, I feel like that's the goal here. No. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll just go. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is more of like a babysitting thing. I just want to Chelsea gets a break a couple hours a week. No, but seriously, no. what are you looking up for the next two weeks? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm uh, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, Cole Caulfield. We should be getting news in the near future about what his plan is, you know. We're all assuming that he's going to sign, and then w- what happens next? Is he going to join us? Is he going to go to Laval? But, I mean, other than that, man, I'm honestly just fascinated to see what happens with the refs. I'm curious to see how the Habs bounce back. The balls seemed to be rolling a little bit um, right before we went on pause. It seemed like uh, even during the losses, you did feel like there was something there that they were working towards. A lot of positive so, signs. Yeah, a lot of positives to take out of it. So I am very excited to see uh, to see the boys back in action. It's weird not having them play. I'll t- I like. Yeah, I, I got nothing else though. I got nothing. I, else. I'm looking forward to that too. I'm looking forward to what Montreal's got when they when they come back from this. I'm 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 curious to see obviously what moves might be coming beyond this. I don't think you know it does feel like there's well, got to be someone. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't moved touch out. on that. I didn't yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But well, you kind of did. Like, it's, it's. I'm, I'm curious about that as well. Uh, the big thing I'm looking at is actually in the Central Division. I'm wondering about Chicago and if they're going to be able to fend off the rising teams below. Like, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. I, if I were a betting man, which I am, yeah, no. Yeah, I don't see it. They Lankinen has had two very good games, uh, re, like just his past couple games, but. Prior to that, his play had dropped off significantly as well, and he was a big part of the reason they were able to play as well as they were. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to. I mean, look, uh, if Nashville wakes up and starts learning how to play like Nashville again, and they're kind of doing it, but I don't know. Um, the big one, I'm, I think Dallas has been underperforming. I, really, I I kind of expected Dallas to take a step back. I, I thought they might miss the playoffs even, but I didn't think that they'd be struggling like this, I don't know. I, I think that they're they're a team to watch in that area. It's just I'm I'm curious if uh, so, Sagan started out. skating this week. Him coming back, even if it's in a month or whatever, that's a big big comeback yeah. for Dallas. Bishop Columbus is, is slated the, to come back. The Tortorella formula time. of uh, collecting one point every game and losing in overtime adds up. Been working since 2003, he'll keep doing it. Yeah, Chris, what are you looking at for the next uh, couple weeks? Okay, so I, I'm just trying to do the math in my head, and I don't know if someone else will be able to figure it out. Hopefully, Kyle Dubas hand. But how is he going to be able to fit Taylor Hall, Philip Forsberg, and Matthias Ekholm on the same team? He's not. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy when he does that. Yeah, Eric Stahl's pretty cool too, though. So the thought crossed my mind that maybe Adams didn't take the best deal that he possibly could have here, and I, I, I don't know if that's that's completely oh, he, me speculating. He, abs- he absolutely did that. Yeah. Cause and he's like, gonna, he's gonna do it again with Taylor Hall. No, I don't like, Hall. I don't know as much. Stall like it he, made it made more sense. They used to play together. He brought him into a situation that he knew Stall wasn't super keen on getting into, and it fucking blew up. And he's also he's like he's at the, t- the tail end of his career, whereas Hall's not yet. So I felt like I feel like maybe Stall got a bit. If this happened, first of all, if that is something that happened, I feel like Stall might get more consideration than than Hall. I feel like Hall is like that big chip that they'll hold off. He ha- he has to, he has to trade Hall. He has yeah. to. Oh yeah. And 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 Hall has a no move clause. Colorado. He's gonna pick. Yeah, he's gonna pick where he wants to go. He's yeah. gonna go to he's gonna go to Toronto, Colorado, and that's it. Like he's gonna have to accept whatever he's given. Uh, and then I wanted to highlight something that I forgot to say. Yes, go ahead. And I can't believe I forgot to say it because it's the goddamn biggest news of the fucking month. The NWHL is expanding to Montreal. Yeah, so baby. And so fucking cool. Ooh, baby. I will be buying season tickets. I'll be at every game. Can you imagine how fun it would be to drink at an NWHL game and then write about it right after? Okay, so Very. question for you, Chris, though question yeah are you okay do we know what the team's going to be called no no we know nothing about it so i i I assume it'll be a similar timeline to what they did with the six which was a team was announced in april the team name came out in may then the venue came out then the staff and then the, the players but in this case it's more complicated because it hasn't even been officially announced by the nwhl yet it's just good reporting uh, she uh, and Jimmy had speculated that there was a, a talk about it happening like right before COVID that it was going to be Toronto and Montreal. Mm-hmm. It, it fell through. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really curious as to where it is. And also 
so so Chris, now that they're okay, you're a fan of the six. So when this team shows up, are you still gonna be a fan of the six? Or I, I thought about this long and hard. Yeah. And my answer is I don't know. Okay, so like, you, you, you can cheer for two. I, I'll I'll, I'll probably try and do like cheer for both. Like I, I don't I don't need to have as much of a like a rooting stake in it as I do now. Like like I watch Habs games and cheer for the Habs when it's not against the Leafs. Or if Habs Twitter has been particularly stupid that day, then I cheer for their demise. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I, 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 don't, I don't mind cheering for two teams. It, it's so you're it's just been fine. Flopping back and forth in both yeah. leagues. Yeah, well, if so you consider flip flopping, continuously choosing floppy, Toronto. Flippy floppy. There's so much talent floppy. on the six, so it's t- you've already you've yeah, built it, up that connection to them too. And like I don't know, it'd be it's, tough to. It's just the freaking that's 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 where I'm. <laughs> that's where I'm. I'm kind of hesitant. Like particular players that I like Grant Mentis is one of the most fun players I've seen like in general. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. So she's like pitching a team that has her on it, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Cuz I'm just saying if you pick all Toronto, you better get ready for this rivalry. Just being a Leafs fan, I'm ready for this rivalry. It's there's, there's enough heat there, but I I was curious about that too Tyler and I honestly don't know. I might have to take Montreal just cuz I could I could be at every game. I could yeah. watch every game live. I could make connections. Also, if you're listening the NWHL, I have a wide set of skills um <laughs> let's get out of this um i love how i say that sometimes let's get out of this like it's a fucking disaster that we're we're doing here um it's been a been a good show it's been good talking to you guys but yeah let's do this uh, <laughs> let's do this again two weeks guys love talking to you guys um you can find me on twitter at i mean healthy scratcher at lfh pod for the the life fantasy hockey podcast uh ty yes you can find me on twitter at uh, tyler o'connor 95 and you can find me on Twitter, but you probably shouldn't for your own well-being, at Chris6 or 7. Good stuff, guys. All right. Stay healthy out there, everybody.